when your little one is really sad, what are you doing? Are you comforting her? Yes, and mm. or him. Um, but that's a good opportunity to go in prayer with your little one and offer that up to God. Let's shift gears here a little bit, and I want to begin with a, a scripture here. I want to talk about the home, because we talked about church, a very located hour event or so, once a week. But there's a lot of other moments in the week. And so this is what we read from Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. I think that sometimes when we talk about modeling or teaching the faith at home, people might say, I don't have an education degree. I'm not a teacher. You guys are the teachers, you know, pastors, DCEs. So how do I do this? Mm -hmm. That sounds like it's not in my job description, but from Deuteronomy, what we just read, I don't think that Moses was saying, you know, like get a lesson plan. <laughs> with object lessons and stuff like that. I don't think that's what he means. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds to me like it's in the moment as you go. Mm -hmm. When you're rising, when you're sitting, when you're walking, or when you're in the minivan. <laughs> you yeah, yeah. When you're going to and fro from things, you have all these opportunities. And that's what that Barna research found, is that they, the spiritually vibrant homes were having spiritual conversations together. They were doing the spiritual disciplines. It's reading your Bible and, and having those talks and, and being open with your faith. Yeah, because they found that uh, hospitality, hospitality was a yep. marker, which mm -hmm. I thought was a little non-intuitive, you know, for a vibrant home. But um, households that have a vibrant faith were often welcoming other people to their dinner table and even talking about the faith openly with mm -hmm. neighbors or whoever happened to be there. Right, and not changing your routine, cool. yeah, but right. maintaining. Because then the kids see that as well. Hmm. They see, are our parents changing because somebody else is in the home? Then why is their behavior changing when we have guests versus when the doors are closed? That hmm. should not be the case. Mm -hmm. Our faith should be like this, um, both with doors open and closed. I think that hmm. is what that research was, was finding. Yeah, is that pretty interesting. When you invite people over to your table, you're still doing those same practices that you do with the, in the family without those guests. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be complicated too because I remember like Kelly and I have, have always wanted to have people over to our house to be hospitable, but we realized we weren't doing it because we thought the house needs to be super clean and we need to have something really good to eat. But a, a while back, you know, um, we invited somebody over kind of on a whim and we thought, oh, shoot, the house isn't really clean and it's lived in, you know, and we're not having anything really special for dinner. But we realized that, well, number one, nobody cares. They're just glad they were invited over. Hmm. And then number two, like it was worth it. Um, and, and so, yeah, having this posture of hosp hospitality to, uh, and I think it starts with other Christians. Like mm. if you have other Christians in your home, 
because the church is your family and your kids get to know their kids. That's a, a really good thing. Hmm. What, um, what are maybe some opportune moments during the day to have faith conversations and what might those look like? I don't know. Car rides. Yeah, car rides In for the sure. morning if you eat breakfast together. Um, just being aware of the ebbs and flows of the rhythm of the family because it mm-hmm. changes for, for every family. But being aware of where can I naturally have a conversation, being open to those. So that might start with just praying, asking God to open your eyes for those mm-hmm. opportunities. Um, when your little one is really sad, what are you doing? Are you comforting her? Yes, and mm-hmm. or him. Um, but that's a good opportunity to go in prayer with your little one and offer that up mm-hmm. to God. Um, in the ha- happy moments too, not just the sad, but celebrating that and showing that excitement and pointing it back to God. So being aware of all of those little opportunities, because they're everywhere if we pay attention to it. And I know that I fall short of that within my own life. So I'm not speaking in a high. Oh, no, I think that, you know, both Tim and I, too, we've got some successes, but plenty of misses, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel that as a parent. But um, yeah, I think, you know, those little moments, they really do add up. So um, this is just personally lately. um, I've just really been focusing on the mornings Mm -hmm. um, because I usually am up before my kids. But then when I first see my kids, like I just, for, for whatever reason, I've really felt like that's a really important time. Well, part, partly because a few of my kids tend to be cranky in the morning <laughs> and they tend to immediately fight if I don't really try to set them up on like, okay, you're a secure, loved little creature. You're going to have food pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I just find that that is a spiritual moment, you know, to really say, mm-hmm. Um, hey, I'm with you, and I love you, and and God loves you. So I think that's important. Um, I've also, my wife and I have found that, like, Advent calendars are, like, money. As far as, um, if you set up an Advent calendar in your house, and we now have a Lent calendar kind Mm -hmm. of idea, if you set up something like that, your kids will keep you on track. (laughs) Yeah. Because they'll be like, we didn't do our Advent devotion, Mom. Dad, and you know, sometimes there's a celebration like chocolate or something that goes with it that really helps. But I found that's a huge key is like, if you can find something that your kids are independently motivated to do, that will just absolutely keep you on track. Mm -hmm. It won't be such an effort. And for those off seasons, you can just take a calendar and write and follow through the Psalms or follow through a specific book and create your own little Advent calendar with a jar of kisses at the Hmm. end or something like that in my family i think i've had to realize that um doing it perfectly is not real and and Mm. because i would think oh we're gonna have family devotions five nights a week we're gonna i'm gonna get my guitar out we're gonna sing hymns together (laughs) you know like i just had these big ideas i want to (laughs) go yeah come on over (laughs) um and uh but then i i actually realized you know family devotions we were doing them for a while with like a family coloring book. We have like a visual faith and it was okay. But then it, you had like a oldest kid who thinks he's kind of too cool, you know, and then like a younger kid <laughs> who gets in fights with the other kid about which marker. And so like family devotions, they work for some families, but like for our family, it just, it, it was a struggle. And so I've found it to be, I, I, I've kind of, 
more focused on individual kids because mm. each kid's different. And so, you know, with, um, with one child, I will pray with them before bed and we'll pray for friends and classmates and we pray for our church and whoever's preaching that Sunday. And then uh, with another child, loves to listen to audiobooks. And Nancy Drew gets a little bit out of hand. It's like, we need to not <laughs> listen to audiobooks so much, but we'll say, you can listen to the Bible tonight. Hmm. And so she'll listen to, you know, we'll, we always put it on the Gospel of Matthew or Mark and she just listens to it. And um, then another child, um, you know, just in the morning when we go to school, we just take a one minute, 30 seconds, we pray. We just pray to begin the day. Kind of, so it's not like high level stuff. It's just like habits and rhythms that happen in life. And sometimes you forget, but you just, and mm -hmm. sometimes what you do for maybe a few months, you won't do. It changes with the seasons of life. So. Yeah. That's good stuff. It's not overwhelming. It, you just got to yeah. find something that works. And if any of you want to talk to any of us about kind of some yeah. strategies or goals. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm curious for. about uh, this book about spiritually vibrant homes. Is there any, anything else that you really thought was useful as far as those baby steps or any, anything that you picked up that we haven't already covered? Um, there's one thing I highlighted with with that that I found interesting was that there's a strong correlation between doing spiritual practices together and doing lots of other household activities together. Mm. So meaning that um, homes that shared prayer and Bible times together, um, the research showed that they, they did more things together that were fun, they hung out together and, and all those things. Um, which I found was, was really interesting. Hmm, those interesting. homes that didn't um, do those spiritual practices, reading your Bible and praying, uh, they didn't really do, they did things together, but not to the degree of hmm. those homes that were practicing. Mm -hmm. I hmm. found that to be interesting. Yeah, maybe it's, uh, yeah, maybe it's just a spiritual blessing, mm -hmm. you know, of like love, peace, patience, kindness, mm -hmm. goodness, self-control, all these things kind of flow from being connected to uh, the spirit of God. Right. Mm. Well, and also there's something unique that I think we're doing as Christians that are, is not mimicked in society. Like when else do families get together and do something in the same space and then mm -hmm. have a conversation about it? Like you might go see a movie, you might go see the latest Avengers movie and then like, you know, talk about it on the way home. Mm -hmm. But I just don't think there's a lot of places in our culture where families come together and they have a meaningful experience. They talk about it. Um, there, there are some things even like, you know, this idea of beauty and truth and all those kinds of things. The church is kind of, mm -hmm. I feel like we're some of the last people to be doing that kind of stuff. Mm, interesting. It's just not a big conversation that people are having. Mm. It's all being stuck on a screen, you know, so. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Um, yeah. I only have one kind of closing, um, one kind of closing thought and, and kind of a question. Um, a lot of times we talk about confirmation. Mm -hmm. We talk about confirmation as the pivotal event of faith formation, but what about before confirmation? So there's milestones, and I see the moments bef between the milestones. So 
The milestones are baptism. You have your first Bible or the start of Sunday school and you have confirmation. And those are locked in, those are there, but there's significant moments in between, like um, learning the books of the Bible, um, learning how to navigate the Bible, being comfortable with that, learning what it means to forgive and be forgiven. Like you talked about, um, was it this, this episode or next, the previous episode? Mm-hmm. I think one it was them. this one. My times are blending <laughs> in. Yeah. Um, but, but that's an in-between milestone that's significant. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it just happened when, when you owned up to, not one time, but over time, um, owned up to your mistakes and you're modeling that forgiveness to, to your kids. And, and they're seeing that and moving mm-hmm. and growing in that. Um, there's so many little moments, um, learning like the apostles creed before mm-hmm. confirmation. Yeah. What right. do you believe? What, why do you believe this? What happens in communion on a Sunday morning and why is that significant? There's all of those little moments in between that are also important before confirmation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, recognizing there's a lot that can and ought to happen before confirmation. In fact, I would love it if we just said confirmation starts even before the water dries for baptism, even before, while you're still wet, you know. (laughs) Confirmation starts now. Like we're gonna be in this process of growing into the faith we were baptized into. Um, And that's when faith formation starts, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's, it starts even before then, equipping the parents before that baptism, and it continues on well past confirmation. You don't stop learning and growing at confirmation. That's, if anything, it gets a little bit more intense because then mm-hmm. you're learning, um, okay, I just learned these things about what I believe. Now what do I do with it? Mm-hmm. The world's going to say these other things, so how can I tackle mm-hmm. that and, and going deeper into those things? So we're always growing and, and we're always learning. Yeah, it's a holistic process. Well, good. Well, Thais, we are excited for you to be here. Um, We're just thankful that you're in this role and also just thankful for the the way that your role will bless uh, families um, in the future. So yeah, we're excited for your impact. I'm excited to be here. Not my impact, just a tool. (laughs) What God's going to do. He's going to do good things. Well, tools make impact. That's right. All right. (laughs) We'll see you next time. (laughs) 